Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. We've been going through the book of Colossians, just passages at a time and just digging into the word. And it's important to do this uh, just so we, as we read the word, we can apply it to our lives. And um, so we're calling this message series greater than, and if you have the Version Bible app on your phone, if you hit that more tab and hit events, our notes are all in there as well. Um, so we've been going through the book of Colossians. And so the church in Colossae was, it was a, a town that had once been a vibrant community. It had kind of fallen in, on decline. It wasn't as influential as it used to be. Paul had never actually visited the church in Colossae. He'd been in Ephesus, and a couple guys came to Ephesus, heard what God was doing. They gave their lives to Jesus. They went back to their home and started telling others about Jesus. Other people started trusting in him, and a church grew. And so Paul's writing to this church because they lived on a trade route, kind of like I-80. A lot of people come through there, and they were bringing false teaching, and they were disrupting the church. So the book of Colossians was written by Paul to the church there to correct some errors. And so the first week, Paul kind of talked about their new life in Christ. What does it mean to know Jesus? Last message, we, we read a hymn that is in the chapter one here, and Paul talked about how Jesus is greater than everything else in our lives. Jesus is bigger. How many of you are glad for that? I'm glad when I have problems. I know Jesus is bigger than my problems, right? And then, so today we're going to pick up in chapter one, and we're going to start in verse 24. Um, so if you want to kind of turn there. How many of you know sometimes it's kind of hard to communicate with people? You ever had that problem before? You ever been mistaken when somebody thought something? There was a story about three psychologists. They were psychology students, and they were learning, and they were going to go do their practical classes. And so um, they were doing their, uh, a class on emotional extremes, so learning about emotions. And so the professor asked the first girl, she was from Arkansas, I said, what is the opposite of joy? And she said, well... Sadness, of course. And he said, yep, good job. So then he asked a, a young lady from Oklahoma, he said, what's the opposite of depression? She said, well, probably elation. And he said, yeah, that's a great word. So he turned to this guy from Texas, and he said, what's the opposite of woe? And he thought about it, and he said, well, I think it's giddy up. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes people don't understand us. And so Paul's talking to the church here in Colossae. In verse 24, he said this, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. Now, Paul's writing this from where? Anybody remember? Prison. Paul's in prison because he's preaching the gospel. He said, I am glad when I suffer from you. To be honest, I don't know if I've ever said that to anybody. I'm glad when I suffer for you. You know, I'll put up with frustration sometimes. I don't know that I've ever said I'm glad to suffer, but he said, I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body. And that's exactly what he was doing. He says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. Now up to this point, the church had been made up of Jews. So people from outside Judaism were coming to find Jesus, and the church in Colossae was a multi-ethnic church, and it was made of people who were Jewish and non-Jewish. And the Jewish people were kind of like, I don't know that I love having non-Jews in the church. And Paul said, I do. I love it. I love having these people here. 
And he says, and this is the secret, Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. And in chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church in Laodicea, which is pretty close there. And for many other believers who've never met me personally, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I'm telling you this, so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should, and your faith in Christ is strong. So Lord, we ask you would speak to us through your word today. Help us to know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul's here talking about the ministry God has given him. And so we see that Paul had joy. Now look at this. Paul found joy in what? Suffering for the gospel. Paul found joy in suffering for the gospel. He said, when I suffer for Jesus, as he was doing in prison, he said, I find joy in that. I love because it shows that I'm a what? An authentic Christian. He said, I love suffering. He wrote this from prison. And, you know, it's kind of funny. We think about, man, I really wish Paul hadn't been in prison do you realize if Paul hadn't been in prison, we probably wouldn't have half the New Testament? Because God used that time to use Paul to encourage other churches through writing. He would have just kept preaching, but instead he had to write letters, and that's what we have in the New Testament. So he said he, was, he rejoiced in his suffering. How many guys have ever suffered? Have you ever suffered for Jesus? Sometimes, as you know, we tell people on our, on our basketball team or our football team, we're a Christian, what do they do? Tell people at work, you're a Christian. What do they do? Sometimes they, you have to suffer a little bit. And we don't know any kind of suffering like Paul and some of our brothers and sisters around the world have. But guys, sometimes as Christians, we're going to go through hardships, even with Jesus. I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. said, he comforts us in all our troubles so we can what? Comfort others. He said, when they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Paul realized that suffering helps us grow in Jesus. And we don't like to hear that. I want to hear, man, life's going to be great. Things are going to go well. Squirrels are never going to poop on your car. I mean, stuff's going to go great, right? You're never going to have issues. But that's not the case. Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? Troubles. But he said, take heart, because I've overcome the world. He's with us. Again, in Romans chapter 5, verse 2, Paul says this, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For they know they help us what? Develop endurance. They help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So guys, sometimes in this life, we're going to have trouble, but trouble makes us stronger. Don't you love telling your kids that? When they do something they don't want to do, what do we tell them? You're building character. You're becoming a better person by hauling wood. It's good for you. Picking up trash is good for you. You're developing character. Doing your homework is good for you, right? And Paul here says, hey, when you go through troubles, you're developing character. 
God is building his character in you. I don't want to hear that, but it's true. So Paul said, I rejoice when I suffer for the gospel. And he said, he said he rejoices in identifying with Christ's suffering. He identifies with Christ's suffering. There was a little old lady, she was 92 years old, and her family finally convinced her to move into a nursing home. She was stubborn, she wanted to stay home, and they just said, you just can't stay in the house anymore. So she finally agreed for a two-week trial. So she packed one little suitcase, she went to the nursing home. The next day she called her daughter and said, go ahead and bring the rest of my stuff. They said, well, I didn't think you liked it there. And she said, there are men here. So sometimes we suffer a little bit, right? I put several verses there in your notes. I love this one in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Doesn't that sound amazing? I want to really know Jesus. I want to experience the power that raised him from the dead. But then listen to what he says next. I want to suffer with him. Sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul realized sometimes suffering is part of the Christian experience. So we want to grow in him. So to really know him, sometimes we have to go through that. And here's the thing, guys. Our willingness to follow Jesus even during hardship shows them what? We're really in this. We're really Jesus followers. You know, it's funny, like, we... um, I help on a basketball, coach a basketball team in the middle school. And, you know, we do the organizational meeting. There's a bunch of kids show up for basketball, right? Yeah, I want to play basketball. What do they do the first week of practice usually? Conditioning. You know what happens to numbers? <laughs> kids don't come back. Said, I don't want to run. I just want to play basketball, right? Or I don't, want to, I, I don't want to do that. I just want to play football. I don't want to get hit. And so when we stay with it, it shows that we're really in this. Guys, When we say we're Christians, people in our workplace, people in our schools, they're watching. And when we follow Jesus, even through suffering, it shows what? I'm in this. Oh, you really are. You're somebody I can go to when I'm having a hard time because you understand. So Paul said, I I found joy in suffering for Jesus. And he found joy in suffering for the hope of the Gentiles. Paul realized the gospel was for everyone. And he said, I rejoice in suffering for the Gentiles. So you guys can have hope too. People didn't really want Gentiles in the church. And Paul said, no, Jesus is for everybody. So he said, I find joy in suffering for the hope of the Gentiles. And here's the thing. He could have, Paul could have compromised, couldn't he? He said, well, I'll just go to the Jews. And then he said, I could have just went to the Jewish people. And he would have saved himself a lot of what? Suffering. A lot of hardship. But he went anyway. So what can we do to give up so that others can know Jesus? God might be telling us to give to missions. So how do I do that? Well, I might have to give up my Starbucks once. It's a good thing we don't have one in Lex. I'd be in trouble. But I might have to give up a coffee once a month so I can give that money to missions. Or maybe I'm willing to give up a meal out so I can give some money to missions. Maybe I'm willing to to give up something else. Paul said, I'm willing. So we see the result of Paul's responsibilities. What did Paul do? What was his responsibility? He was willing to give his life to the ministry of the gospel. Paul said, I'm willing to go all in. I'm, I'm in this. He didn't just serve Jesus from the sidelines. He was all in. And this doesn't mean that you quit your job and, and have to move to Africa. Maybe. Maybe God's telling you to do that, but maybe not. But it means I'm willing to put him first in my life. 
One of my role models in ministry is a guy named Bob Wine. He pastored in, in Kearney at New Life Church, and then he was our superintendent for a while. And, and Bob's a guy who was all in, but he would ask questions all the time. And he'd say, Rex, are you all in? So well, I'm a pastor. I better be. He said, no. <laughs> are you all in? And he would just kind of look at you. Are you all in? And it made me really uncomfortable. I was like, yes, I'm, I'm in. But it made me really think, right? Am I really all in? And so Paul said, I'm willing to be all in. And he gives us an example of doing the hard things well. He said, I'm given the responsibility of preaching the whole gospel to you. I'm willing to sacrifice my reputation. I'm willing to sacrifice even my life if I have to for the gospel because I love Jesus that much. I love you that much. Guys, sometimes as a Christian, people are going to ask us questions and they don't really want to know what we have to say, right? Well, how do I, how do I get to heaven? Well, you have to, you have to accept Jesus into your life. You have to turn from your old ways. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, that's kind of how you do it. And so sometimes we have to tell the hard things. We have to be, we have to parent our kids. One of the issues we're having is we have a lot of people who want to be their kid's best friend, but they don't want to be their parent. And so their kids don't know. And they say, well, why is my kid making this decision? And it, it is their decision, but we have to be willing to do those hard things. We have to have those hard conversations. We have to have those hard conversations with our, our friends, with our parents. Paul was willing to have that. And Paul understood the mystery of the church was for who? Everyone. He went to the Jews and the Gentiles. And so Paul talked about the mystery of the gospel that had been kept hidden. It was in Christ. And he said, here's the thing. Jesus lives in you. It's for everyone. And so, and one of the great things we have now is in our area, we have everyone here, don't we? We have people from all walks of life around us all the time. And so we have the opportunity to share Jesus, to tell them this hope that we have. And this doesn't mean you have to get up on the table in the lunchroom and start preaching. I mean, that's cool if you want to do that, but you might lose your job. <laughs> but we have the opportunity to tell people around us, hey, what, what's, what's different about you? Why are you different? We had a great testimony in our Sunday school class a few weeks ago. One of the, a lady who's started following Jesus. She said, you know what? I didn't think there was anything different, but my friends started saying, there's something different about you. You have more hope. That's an awesome thing, right? And so we can share that hope. And that is, Paul gave his life to reach others. And then lastly, starting in chapter 2, verse 1, we see the depth of Paul's ministry. Now, here's the thing. When we're younger, we have energy. We can do things. Sometimes as we get older, we feel like maybe Jesus can't use us anymore. You ever felt that way? Maybe I'm kind of getting to the end of that. I, I, don't, I just don't know what God can do through me. Paul showed us, Paul was in prison. He was under house arrest, couldn't leave. Some people think he was literally chained to a guard. Can you imagine being chained to Paul? You're going to hear about Jesus all day, right? Let me tell you about him. Ah, oh, not again. But that's what Paul did. But Paul couldn't go out. He couldn't walk and share. You know what Paul did? He prayed and he wrote. Look at what Paul says in chapter 2, verse 1. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. In verse 29 of chapter 1, he says, I worked so hard and struggled so hard, depending on the power of Christ that works within me. What was Paul doing? He was praying. Guys, it doesn't matter how young you are in your faith, how old you are in your faith, how young you are in your body, how old you are in your body, we can still what? We can pray. And I can tell you, I'm here because I had a grandma who prayed for me. I made st 
stupid decisions as a teenager, stupid decisions. And I'm here because my grandma kept praying for me. And every time I was there, she drug me to church. Sometimes literally by the ear. It's like, you know, you are coming to church with me. And she did that. And guys, some of you are, are praying for family members who don't know Jesus yet. Keep praying. Paul said, I pray for people who haven't even met me. So I encourage you to, to be a, a prayer warrior. It doesn't, you don't have to take training or anything. You can just pray. We pray for our friends, our families, our coworkers. Pray for the churches around us. Pray for the pastors. Pray for your teachers. Pray for your teammates. Keep praying for opportunities. And then Paul, he prayed. He prayed for Christians everywhere. But then he preached, he taught, he encouraged, and he warned. He said, I'm warning people. I'm encouraging people. I'm teaching them. I want them to grow. In 1 Corinthians, is a letter he wrote to the church in Corinth in chapter 4, verse 14. He said, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. Paul was warning about things going on. Some of you, man, guy, may be asking you to teach a class. You say, I don't know, little kids scare me. You can teach teenagers. Teenagers scare me. You can teach adults. Adults scare me. We can pray, <laughs> right? But God uses us. God stretches us outside. And Paul was stretched, or Paul was stretched by the Lord. And here's the thing Paul did. Paul intentionally discipled others. Paul intentionally discipled. That word intentional is very important here. Paul found people to grow in their faith. He said, I want them to be knit together in love. Paul discipled. And guys, if you're a Jesus follower here, God is going to surround you with people. And you can, you can disciple. You may say, I don't know the Bible that well. That's okay. Learn together. There's an app called YouVersion. Some of you use it. You can put it on your phone. You can put it on your tablets. You can do reading plans together. You can actually do reading plans. My wife and I do them sometimes. We've done them as families. You read a little passage of Scripture, and you, you work through it together, and you just talk about what you're learning. But I encourage you, if you're a Jesus follower, find someone to come alongside you and, and grow together. And that's what Paul did. We see Paul launch people into ministry. Timothy was one of the guys. He launched into ministry and became a pastor. Paul wanted to make sure others weren't led away by false teaching, but they knew. And, and there were a couple of things he was looking for we see in this passage. He was looking for encouragement. Spiritual encouragement builds people's faith. Some of you are really good encouragers. There are some people God is just gifted as an encourager. It doesn't mean you're just like, oh, you're so good. No, it doesn't mean that. But it means you come alongside them. Hey, I, I see you're having a hard day. Can I pray for you? I see you're having a tough time. Can I, can I just walk through this with you together? Can I, can I come alongside and help out? Can I mow your yard for you? Can I bring you cookies? Endearment. Paul said he wanted the Christians to love one another. And sometimes that's easy. Sometimes that's really hard. Because there are some people that just really irritate you, right? There are certain people that just come in the room and you kind of go, oh, now I'm tense. <laughs> that happens. But we have to learn to love one another. Enrichment. Paul said we need to grow into mature, thankful believers who understand who we are in Jesus. And there was enlightenment. It's a full assurance of understanding. Paul said that in Jesus lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And guys, that's our prayer for all of us, that we would know Jesus, really know him. There was a guy... Um, man, it's been years ago, but I remember there was a guy that would come to me sometimes and he'd say, Pastor, I, 
I just, I don't know if God could still love me. I've done too much. And I kept saying, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing you can do that'll make him love you less. I just, I don't know if he only knew. I said, he does, and he loves you. And he just kept saying that over and over. And finally, one day, I don't know what happened. Something clicked. And he said, hey, Jesus really does love me. And I said, yes, he does. And that guy's life changed after that moment. He had an amazing peace. And he walked through some hardships. He walked through some illnesses. He walked through some things. But he knew that Jesus loved him. And that changed his life. And guys, that's my prayer for all of us. You know, a lot of us, we know it here, right? I mean, we sing it when we're kids. Jesus loves me. This I know. Sometimes it's hard to get here, isn't it? There's like 18 inches between here that's really hard sometimes to get it. And but my prayer is that you would get that down in your hearts. That's what Paul was saying. Paul said, I pray for you that you would know the depth of God's love. 